Good morning. I welcome you here as well, and it's good to be here, good to be together. I know that um, I have been paying very close attention. I know that probably most of you have as well what's going on in Israel right now, and that is um, that's a complicated issue, and there's a lot of things in play that I don't understand, but I do understand that the answer is Jesus. And I hope that as a family, you are praying for what's going on over there. Um, hope you keep praying about that. Um, we are in a series that we started a few weeks ago where we are looking at some things that Jesus said, even though it might be a little bit uncomfortable, even though the statement that he made might be something that we wish he didn't say, even though it might be a little bit disturbing, we're looking at some things that Jesus actually did say. And then in this series, we're also going to look at some things that Jesus did not say, even though it's something that we hear all the time, it's something that we're familiar with, it's something that sounds very biblical, Jesus didn't actually say it. And so far in this series, we've talked about a couple things that Jesus did say, we started two weeks ago in the upper room where Jesus told those disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we talked about the implications of that. And then last week we were still in the upper room with something Jesus did say that night where he told them that he was going to leave, but it was better that he did leave because he would send the Holy Spirit and that they would actually do greater things. And we talked about the implications of that. This morning, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about something that Jesus didn't say, even though you hear it all the time, and even though it sounds kind of biblical, but it's dangerous to, 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 to think that something is biblical that's actually not in the Bible, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, there's lots of things that sound like they're probably in the Bible or sound very wise, but they're not in Scripture. I want to share a couple of them with you. I want to kind of help set the record straight this morning. And to help me set the record straight, I'm going to use Dwight Schrute from the office to help these make these um, observations and corrections. For instance, love is all you need? False. You need water and rations. By the way, it's going to be impossible to read these without the voice of Dwight Schrute, so bear with me. Um, how about this one? Slow and steady wins the race. False. Fast always wins the race. <laughs> it's raining cats and dogs. False. Precip perci perci precipitation <laughs> consists almost entirely of water. And then we've all heard that the fastest way to a man's heart is through his stomach. False. It's through the sternum. Now, Dwight is setting the record straight, and he does it in a pretty caustic way. I'm hoping not to be quite as caustic this morning, but I do want to set the record straight, because it's important that we know what Jesus said and what he didn't say. A couple weeks ago, I quoted Mark Twain. Uh, Mark Twain also said this, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. There's a lot of wisdom in that statement. Especially when it comes to the Bible. Because so many people are sure that something is in the Bible. 
but it just ain't so. And we all have these sayings and these cliches that fit so well on a bumper sticker, and they look so good uh, you know, on a magnet, on a refrigerator, and they're given the weight of Scripture, even though they're not found in Scripture. In fact, some of them aren't only, not only not in the Bible, some are actually unbiblical. You've all heard the saying, God helps people who help themselves. Where's that found in the Bible? That's in the book of America, by the way. <laughs> Chapter 17, verse 76. That is an American value. It's not a biblical value. In fact, the Bible teaches that God helps those who can't help themselves. It's exactly why we need God so desperately. There's a danger in interpreting Scripture the way we think it should be interpreted. Or, uh, or thinking that something is in the Bible that's not actually in the Bible. Back in 1999, there was an earthquake in Turkey. And the earthquake completely wiped out an entire mountain town. And the saddest part of that whole tragedy, the ironic part, is as early as the 60s, the Turkish government warned that town that they had built their town exactly in the middle of a fault line. They showed them maps, you know, seismology maps uh, of where the fault lines were, and their town was built exactly on a fault line. And for, since the 60s, this town has been told, you need to relocate. You're going to suffer an earthquake sooner or later. But the people in the town didn't want to go to that hassle. They didn't want to go to that expense. They didn't want to relocate the whole town. So instead, they got the leaders of the town together and they redrew the fault lines. <laughs> what the, I'm not making that up. They took out the maps and they just redrew the fault lines. And so for 30 years, everybody was happy. Everyone lived in peace. Property values were good. Nobody thought about an earthquake until the earthquake hit and wiped out the entire town. Truth will always and ultimately reveal where lines need to be drawn. And with all your heart, you can believe something to be true. But if it's not true, it can be disastrous. It can be disastrous because sounds true will not set you free. Jesus said the truth will set you free. Sounds true will not set you free. And sadly, a lot of people live their lives in bondage, and they live their lives not free because they have trusted in something that sounds true, but it's not true. And it really doesn't matter how hard you believe it, how much you believe it, how long you believe it. If it's not true, the results of believing that and staking your life on that can be disastrous. Just like those earthquake victims, you can believe your way right into disaster. A lot of people have done that. A lot of people have chosen just to redraw the lines in their lives. Lines that don't show up on God's map. I'll give you a couple more examples of some things that are a little bit more serious and a little bit more dangerous than those silly memes that I just shared. You've all heard, love the sinner, hate the sin. That's got to be in the Bible, because I, I saw that on a bumper sticker once. 
Now, we are commanded to love the sinner, but shouldn't we love the sinner and hate my sin? Or, God will never give you more than you can handle. I know that's in the Bible. I saw it on a poster. We, we get more than we can handle all the time, don't we? That's why we need God. Because we're facing more than we can handle on our own. Or, everything happens for a reason. Now, I know that's in the Bible. Because I saw it posted on Facebook. And you can't put anything on the internet that's not true. Those sayings, others like them, they're not just not in the Bible, they're dangerous. And I'll tell you why they're dangerous. Because people believe those sayings, they stake their lives on those sayings, and then when it doesn't happen, and it doesn't come true, they get mad at God for breaking a promise that He never made in the first place. As Mark Twain said, what you know that just ain't so can be disastrous. Or to put it another way, don't follow something just because it sounds true, which finally brings me to the statement that I want to share with you this morning that sounds true, but Jesus never said it. In fact, it's nowhere in the Bible. And that is, follow your heart. Did Jesus say that? Just, just follow your heart. You know, we hear it all the time. In fact, we give that advice all the time. Just trust your gut. Just let your conscience be your guide. Just do what feels right to you. You need to follow your heart. That advice doesn't come from the Bible. Now, you'll hear it in Disney movies, and you'll hear it in love songs, and you'll read it in romance novels, but you won't find that in the Bible. In fact, even Dwight Schrute knows that. The heart is deceitful above all things. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Don't depend on what feels right to you. You don't trust your heart. You trust the Lord with your heart. Because here's the thing that you have to know about your heart. And the Bible is very consistent in, in, in saying this. Our hearts are not very trustworthy moral compasses. They're just not. Behind that saying, trust your heart, is the belief that your heart is going to take you to a good place. Your heart is going to lead you to the best place if you just have the courage to obey your heart. And that advice is based on the faulty assumption that we have within us the, the resources, the moral resources, to always choose what's good, what's right, what, what is most noble, that we make that choice. But do we? Do we always choose for ourselves what's best and what's right? You know, we possess as, as humans this amazing capacity to underestimate just how much we overestimate our own wisdom and our own ability. I'll give you a real-life example. There is a uh, dating website, uh, OkCupid. I'm not a member, okay? <laughs> I, am, I am not suggesting it, but I, I did come across a list of questions that this website uses 
for if you sign up, if you pay your money to OkCupid, you're told to take a, a list, you know, a quiz, and based on your answers, they try to find somebody that's kind of compatible with you. One of the questions on their quiz is, are you a genius? <laughs> Almost 50% of people responding to that quiz say, yes, <laughs> I'm a genius. Now, I, I don't know what the actual percentage is of geniuses in America. I do know that Mensa claims that only the top 1% have the IQ to be qualified to be a member of Mensa. So Mensa says one out of 100 people are geniuses. Okay, Cupid apparently says 50 out of 100 are geniuses. In fact, if you dig into those numbers a little bit more, there is one sex that 30% of that sex answered, yes, I'm a genius. The opposite sex, 70% answered, yes, I'm a genius. Anybody want to guess who the 70% were? <laughs> Ladies, there is a 70% chance that you are sitting beside a genius right now. <laughs> and I could have told you that because, well, I'm a genius. My point is this. We drastically overestimate how good we are and how wise we are and how capable we are on our own. The Bible is much more pessimistic when it comes to the heart being a, a good moral compass in our lives. Let me share with you a couple verses. And I'm going to warn you, they are not flattering. I'm going to go back to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, because I want you to see how the New Living Translation words that, that verse. The human heart is most deceitful and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? All throughout the Bible, what you read is, the heart is not the solution. The heart is the problem. Because our hearts get hard, and our hearts wander away from God. The heart is deceitful. It is desperately wicked. That is strong language. As Paul reflects on the rebellion of all humanity, he says in Romans chapter 1, So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Too many times the things that our hearts desire are shameful. They're wrong. All kinds of damage has been done. Lives have been destroyed by people who were just following their heart. And if you're not convinced yet, let me share with you something that Jesus did say about the human heart in Matthew chapter 15. For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all other sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander. If you trust in your own heart, bad things can happen because you can't trust in your own heart. And we all know that's true. We all can think of some instance in our life, some, some moment in our life when we followed our heart and we would love a do-over. We would love to be able to go back and undo something that we did because we were following our heart. And I suspect we all also can think of a time with thanksgiving when we didn't follow our hearts. I didn't take that job. I didn't make that investment. 
I didn't marry that person that I had my heart so set on. Our hearts are too easily deceived. And we can have total peace in our hearts and still be doing something that is totally wrong. Think back to the Apostle Paul. Paul says, before Jesus, in a prior life, I persecuted Christians. I arrested men and women, had them put to death. And Paul said, my conscience was completely clear. I was doing something that was exactly wrong. And the whole time, it felt exactly right. And we all know that we can convince our hearts. We can convince our hearts that something is right just because we really don't want it to be wrong. And so we believe long enough that it's right, and finally, we convince our hearts that it is right. I've talked to people, men and women, who have walked away from their families, who have abandoned their children, who have destroyed lives, and they will tell me, I know what you're going to say. You're the preacher. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say that God doesn't approve of this. You're going to say, I need to figure it out. But I can't believe that God doesn't want me to be happy. And I can't believe that God doesn't want me to follow my heart. Your heart is not an effective guardrail. And if your conscience is bothering you, you need to step back and ask why. But don't trust your heart not to lead you into disaster. Can't trust your heart. Don't do something because your heart tells you to do it. But there is good news. The heart isn't very discerning, but it can be directed. It can be discipled. Or, or to put it a little bit more simply, the heart doesn't need to be followed. The heart needs to be led. The heart needs to be led. We need to be leading our hearts. Allowing God to lead our hearts. And by the way, we do this all the time. Let me give you a personal example. It's a little bit shallow, but I think it's legitimate. And I think it makes my point. I was fortunate enough to fall in love with and marry a girl who loves football. My wife loves football. And I say that I'm fortunate enough to do that because I love football. I grew up in western Pennsylvania. I live and die with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Most of you know that about me. Martha was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama. She grew up a fan of the Alabama Crimson Tide. When we first met, as we were dating, she wasn't a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you know what? I really didn't like the Alabama Crimson Tide. But we moved to Pennsylvania right after we were married, and she started watching the Steelers with me. And she started cheering for Pittsburgh. Not because she liked Pittsburgh, but because she loved me. She became a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you know what? I started watching Alabama football. I started cheering for Alabama football. It took me a little bit longer, <laughs> but... After 40 years, <laughs> roll tide. <laughs> you know why I cheer for Alabama football? Because I love my wife. I started watching Alabama 
football, and my heart followed. Now, I know that's a silly example, unless you're from Alabama. <laughs> but I think you get my point. My premise is true. You can disciple your heart. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives one of the most universally true examples of this. He's talking about possessions. And he's talking about money. And he asked the question, why do you think God blesses you with all this money? Is it so you can buy more clothes to hang in your closet and have moths come and eat and destroy it? Do you think you're blessed with all these resources so that you can fill up your garage with stuff that's just going to rust? So you can have the biggest barn on the block? And Jesus says, no. God entrusted you with resources so that you could invest in people and so that you could invest in eternal things. And then he says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus doesn't say, you put your money where your heart is. What he said was, your heart goes wherever you put your money. So, if you want to have more passion for the things of God, you invest your time, your energy, and your money in the things of God. You invest in eternal things. Your heart will follow. Our hearts aren't necessarily designed to tell us what to do, but they do help us decide who to love. Two weeks ago, you know, we talked about Jesus making that statement to his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. He's in the upper room. He's told them he's going to leave. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And he doesn't follow that statement by saying, trust in your heart. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Just trust in your heart. He didn't say that. What he said was, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. That's what Jesus said. You don't follow your heart as a way to obey God. You make the decision that you are going to obey God. And your heart will follow. But to quote my father, nobody says it's going to be easy. So the question becomes, how are you leading your heart this morning? Are you leading your heart by allowing obedience to trump everything else that motivates you? Is obedience to God what matters most in your life? Is that where you're leading your heart? You can't trust your heart to tell you what's right. But you can trust Jesus. Follow your heart is not in the Bible. The Bible says I need to follow Jesus with all my heart. Don't wait on your heart. You set your heart on Jesus. And right now, I suspect, in fact, I pretty well know, that all of us in this room can think of one area of our hearts where Jesus is calling, and our hearts are resisting. Jesus is leading our heart somewhere, and we're pushing back. Jesus knew it was going to be hard. He knew our hearts could be hard. I think that's part of what the Holy Spirit is involved with, in softening our hearts. Because you know that you need to forgive that person. But deep down in your heart, you really don't want to. And you know that you need to confess that problem. You need to repent of that sin. 
But your pride won't let you. And you need to love that person the way God has called you to love that person, but they are just so hard to love. We've got to decide what we're going to set our hearts on and who we're going to set our hearts on. Because, let's face it, our hearts are fickle. They're unreliable. They're, they're easily deceived. They're stubborn. So we need grace. And we need strength. And we need the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts. We need Jesus to lead our hearts so that we can follow Him with all our heart. This morning, where's your heart? Where's your heart headed? Where are you leading your heart? What are you investing in? Where have you moved those lines so that what seems true can actually be true in my life? We need to know what Jesus said, what he didn't say. What he said was, follow me. This morning as a church family, if we can help you do that in any way, anything that's on your heart that you need to share with the church family, we invite you to come and let us know. Let's go ahead and be standing.